So I took a dance class via Zoom and it was bachata with my husband. And when I tell you that everything I do now, it's because that dance class taught me that I could dance, I could move. I'm like, who am I? I can dance bachata? What is this? It's so silly. But it was at that point when I knew I was believing still at 29 years old, the words that were told to me as a young age. Mm -hmm. And I said, enough is enough. Enough of being scared, enough of being laughed at, even in my head. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there's some people that, you know, may laugh, but, you know, and I said, oh my God, if I could do this, it's like I went to the moon or something. Welcome to Gladiatrix. I am woman and hear me roar. I'm your host, Malini Sarma. Every week, I will be speaking with women from all over the world who will be sharing their journeys, their stories about overcoming their fears and achieving great things that they thought they never could. So if you don't want to miss a story, make sure you subscribe. Thank you, thank you, thank you to the amazing, beautiful, badass women who have been guests on this show. I had a mission to travel to every country in the world, but since that didn't work out, my new mission is to speak to at least one woman from every country in the world. There are 193 countries, and I still have at least 180 to go. So, if you know of somebody who has an amazing story to tell, let me know. I'm all years. You can reach me on Instagram at Malani Sarma on my website, malinisarma.com, or on Facebook at Malini Sarma, M-A-L-I-N-I-S-A-R-M-A. In today's episode, we're speaking with Orlenda. Orlenda was born in Guatemala and moved to the United States when she was 10 years old. Her first memory that she has is sitting in the back of the classroom learning English while the rest of the kids were learning the content. Being the oldest child and not knowing the language, she had to learn to figure things out on her own. Some things she learned the hard way, like she was undocumented. Even though she graduated college with no debt, she ended up racking a huge credit card debt. Since then, Orlenda has paid off a $30,000 debt in 18 months, saved $40,000 in nine months for her wedding in Costa Rica, and today she is a budget coach, helping women of color get out of debt and negotiate. This is her story. Hey, Orlenda, thank you so much for joining the show. I'm so excited for the world to hear your story. Hi, Melanie. Thank you so much for inviting me. It's such an honor to be here. Oh, no, the pleasure is all mine, believe me. So let's dive right in. You were born in Guatemala, but you moved to the U.S. when you were very young. So, and you're still 
kind of discovering more about your roots and stuff. So tell me a little bit more about your experience growing up and what was it like? Yes. I do not remember much before 10 years old. I do remember living in Guatemala and having a TV was a luxury, buying mozzarella cheese for a pizza that we were making with my mom was a luxury. I remember it being so small and pizza being the biggest thing. Um, so that, I remember that. I came here at the age of 10. And I remember sitting in the back of a classroom in fifth grade with a TA teaching me English while everybody was singing songs and learning the content. And I was just in the back of the classroom. I, I remember also teachers trying to communicate with me and I would just say, hi, wave and, and run away. Uh, but those are some of the little things that I remember from very, very young. So uh, when you came over, um, did any of your family speak English or it was kind of you learned you know, through school and, and watching television? Is that how um, you got familiar with the language? Well, my dad knew a little bit more English than my mom did, but we didn't speak the language at home. Right. And my mom's English has gotten better over the years, but at the time it was very, very limited. And, and at home, we didn't really speak it. And my cousins would speak Spanish to my sister and I because we didn't know the language. So yeah, it was basically just school and TV that we were watching. Wow. So you had other family around you, right? That was, that was bilingual. So they, yes. were, so they were able to help you kind of navigate through the system. And how did you get, because... 10 years is a very, when you think about it, it's very traumatic. Was your sister older or younger than you? Younger. Oh boy. So you were kind of the oldest and you had to kind of manage not only your sister, but even like your parents. And then when they ask you how's school and you'd be kind of telling them, yeah, it's all okay. Cause you don't want to worry them. Yeah. How'd you know? <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's exactly what happened. But I didn't get the... I did not get the support from, from family members. They really didn't know how to navigate the school system or the college system or jobs. Uh, so I really did feel alone, even though there were family members. I think there is, we just didn't talk about stuff. You know, we just pretended things were fine. <laughs> but talking about feelings were like, oh. There's no time for that. Yeah. No time for that. Go do your That's homework. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I think it's no, I can relate because I think it's the eldest child syndrome, you know, where you're kind of taking trying to take care of your parents while also trying to take care of your younger sibling while you try to figure out stuff on your own because there is no help, literally. So uh, I can no, I can relate. It 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 is a very traumatic time and you can be alone even though you're surrounded by people, right? Oh man. Yeah. <laughs> yes. So what did you, what did you dream about? What did you, what did you want to do? Who were your role models? 
Oh my God. Okay. This ties down to just the conversation that we were having. Uh, being the oldest has been so difficult. I was the oldest from my mom's side. There was a cousin is there is a cousin older than me by six months. In my dad's side of the family, I am the oldest. So my dad had the first child. And so I just, it, I wasn't really close to my mom's family. And so it was just me figuring things out by myself. I, I have always put myself in rooms that I, maybe I didn't belong. Maybe I did. I don't know, but I was curious. So I've always entered those rooms with a pen and paper. Like, what can I take away from this meeting, webinar, whatever it is that I went into rooms with? But I mean, let's go back a little bit. I knew that I did want to go to college. I knew that for sure. I knew that if I went to college, it would give me freedom. That's what I knew. Um my dad did have a conversation with me junior year summer. He said, Orlinda, I cannot afford college. So you may have to not go, or I don't know what the prices are for community college. And I am so thankful for that conversation because I went in senior year in high school knowing I need to figure it out. I need to figure it out one way or another. I'm going to college. I applied to schools senior year in second semester. That's when I knew or found out what it meant to be undocumented. So I came oh to the U.S. Boy. illegally. I was undocumented and I knew that, but I didn't know what that meant for me. And everybody was applying for financial aid and they were asking for social security numbers. And I went home and I asked my mom, she said, we don't have one. Uh, but she did say we do pay taxes. So that might be helpful. So she was just throwing information at me and I was getting all of that. I went to school and I told my advisor about it. So then I started applying to all the scholarships I could and see what hoping I would get something. And I ended up getting three scholarships that paid for my undergrad and I was able to go to college and I moved out of the house. So where'd you go to college? I went to San Francisco state in San Francisco, San Francisco state. And I, I didn't know what I would do after graduating, being undocumented, I'm like, great, I'm going to school and I can't get a job. Wait, so what, did you, what did you major in? So okay. that is a funny story. Okay. Because when I was looking for majors, I did not have any guidance. I didn't know what to look for. I, I was not considering, okay, where will I work with that major? And what does it pay? I nothing. So I had a book, right? The bulletin that the school has with all the majors. And I just sat on a Friday night reading that book and seeing what majors were available. The one I landed on 
was international relations because I was, I love to travel. At the time I couldn't, but I knew one day I'm going to travel. And that was my way of traveling at the time. Because being undocumented, I felt trapped. Mm-hmm. I felt I can't go anywhere. And there's so much to see and learn. I felt trapped. And that's why I love traveling. I feel so free mm-hmm. in my way of escaping mm-hmm. that feeling uh, was majoring in international relations. So that's what I majored in. That's awesome. Can you believe that? So you, so you went to college, you, you did, um, so did you have to, so your scholarship paid for everything or did you have to take loans? I didn't take loans and I ended up, uh, graduating with no debt, no student loans. That's amazing. I know. I, but you had a whole different problem. A whole different one. I know. I know. Luckily, um, Obama passed DACA at the time in 2012. And that's how I got my social security number. And I said to myself, oh, my gosh, my dad told me, you never know what will change in politics. Just keep going to school. We'll figure it out later. And I did that. And sure enough, 2012, the semester before graduating, I was getting my social. I couldn't believe it. Oh my God, that's, that must have been such an important day, not only for you, but like your whole family, right? It's like oh, suddenly yeah. you're like not invisible anymore because yes, you have an identity. It was social security number. I know, I know. It was surreal. I was one of the very first people that applied for it. I I know that a lot of people were so scared because of them knowing where you lived and being deported and what if it wasn't real and what you know all the just scared Mm -hmm. and of course so did all of you get it besides you did like your mom and your sister and everybody did all of them get it too when you applied so that guy was only for students and okay but my dad applied for residency back in the year 2000. So they were very close to be called by immigration to get their residency Mm -hmm. and then apply for citizenship. So they had been in the process, but you know, it takes like 10 to 13 years. It does. I know. Yeah. Yeah. The immigration process is not the easiest, um, but my gosh, what a relief, wasn't it? Oh my goodness. I, everything I had been working towards and hoping that something would change ended up changing. And it was definitely life changing for me because then I could work and bring income in and it changed the entire trajectory of my life. So by the time you graduated college, you were you were legit, like you had a social security number and everything. So you could apply for a job. Right. Yes. And did you? So did you go and start applying and interviewing and applying for jobs right out of college? I did not because I wanted to take extra classes for a master's degree that I wanted to take. And at the time I was working at a consulate 
And so I was very comfortable there and I was getting paid minimum wage. And so aside from that, I was also babysitting. And so I'm like, oh, it's okay. I have money. But it was that mindset of like, I have to work a lot to get money. And I didn't really know what was out there. So bottom line, it took me a while to go out and get a job and get started. So what changed? What made you go out from get out of that comfortable zone of, you know, oh, I'm getting paid this much and I'm looking a good life, you know, to for you to change your mind and say, wait a minute, there's more out there. What happened? <laughs> You're not ready for this. <laughs> you know, I had always heard you need a credit, a good credit score in order to do a lot of things. And so going back to when I got my social security number, I was not living at home. And I remember sitting on my bed in that room that I was renting, which by the way, I am two blocks away from that room no right kidding. now. No I know. And I sat there and I said, oh my God, I have my social. That means I can apply for credit cards and start building this credit. Okay. So then I applied to so many credit cards. I ended up getting, not all at once, but in total, 16 maxed out credit cards. No kidding. And I, and I accumulated about 30000 in debt, plus more because I had been paying like minimums, you know, little by little. And that's what it took. I was in such a hole. I could not see the light. It just felt that I was waking up, working, paying the bills, and I was not left with money. And I said, there has to be another way. There has to be. And so I increased my income. And then when I increased my income, that's when I went out and looked for a job. And I started working with job agencies because I thought it was easier. They'll look at my resume, what I've done. I just graduated college. They'll, they'll help me. And they did. And I was, I also didn't want the 40 hours at the time. I forget why, but I wanted the flexibility. I think it was because of the classes, the flexibility of working certain hours and then not working for a period of time. But even that, it was not, I wasn't able to, I wasn't able to pay the bills and, and all the things that I wanted to buy. So again, I increased my income again. So I moved another job and it also didn't make a difference. And I tried getting out of debt, uh, but then I started to believe like it, it wasn't possible. It wasn't possible for me. And I started to say, okay, am I going to stay with this debt forever? Is this going to be part of my identity? And it just was not clicking for me. I tried to see different ways of getting out of debt, but I wasn't finding people that looked like me that were getting out of debt. And so I just felt trapped. I There was a debt that I kept thinking about and people who were getting out of debt looked white. And I'm like, that's because they're white and they have a better job and 
the income is higher. That's not possible for me. And it just was not clicking. But where the switch did click in my head was I grew up in a very toxic household. And when I moved out, I got out. But my mom and my three sisters didn't. And I thought of them constantly, constantly. This is going to sound weird, but I knew things were not okay at home because I kept dreaming about it. And then I asked my mom, hey, mom, are things okay at home? Make sure that you're protecting my sisters. And, and then my mom became kind of distant with me. And then I would call her and she wouldn't answer. So I said, there's something up here. And I went to the house. I tried to go every two weeks and leaving every Monday was very difficult. And I had the conversation with her and I said, hey, what's happening? And she told me, you know, things are not okay. They have gotten worse. And I said, mom, you need to get out. And it was easy for me to say that. I don't think I would have said that when I was 17, still living at home. But I started to see how people treated each other outside of my household. Like, oh, things don't have to be so hard. Things You don't have to fear being in your home. You don't have to be shaking every time. So I went to my mom and I said, mom, you need to leave. You need to get out. You need to find a way. You need to find a way. And at first she was resistant, but one time she said, Orlando, I've had enough. She packed everything in a van that she had. We had no plan. She packed everything and met up with me. And we spent hours and hours just driving around, sitting at a park. My sisters were so small, like five and seven, I think. And so those are the sisters that were born in the U.S.? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. My dad kept calling and apologizing and crying and making a scene and said I was overreacting. And because my mom saw that I had no plan, she didn't have a plan. We didn't have money. She decided I'm going to go back. And she went back. And that was the hardest thing for me. She said, I'm going to give him a year. And then in a year, if he doesn't change, then I'll move out. And I knew I couldn't do anything about it. And I said, okay, I'll take this year and work on myself. I'm going to take this year and figure it out. So I did figure it out. I moved into a home. I rented a home, not by myself. It was with roommates. And I increased my income one more time. So I had a little wiggle room. And the year came. And I, you won't believe this, but my roommates were moving out. So two rooms were being opened. And I told my mom, Mom, it's July. It's been a year. My roommates are leaving. 
do you want to move in with me? And she said, yes. And she moved in with me. And it, it, she never went back ever since. And it was, a, it was that point when my mom had to go back and I knew I had to help her. I have to find a way. And I helped her find a job. She ended up paying debt. She has an emergency fund. She has traveled and not just back home. She has gone to so many places. She has lived her life. That is awesome. So when, what year was this? How long ago is this? This was seven years ago. Dang. So 16, 2016. Yeah. That's yeah. awesome. And it, and it wasn't until last year that I moved out and got my own place um, after I got married. And yeah, we lived together for a long time and it helped my debt-free journey too. Oh my God. That is so, that is so amazing. It's kind of like you and your mom helped each other out. It's like both of you needed each other to get out of whatever situation you were in. I always say that she, she says that she, I helped her a lot, but she also helped me a lot. There were a lot of things that I could rely on her for that I really needed at the time. Yeah. So, so you got married in that, in that seven years. How did that happen? I did. Well, before I've known my husband for 90 years now. Okay. So I lived with my boyfriend at the time, my husband now, and I spoke with him and I said, what, would it be okay if, you know, my mom came and lived with us? And he agreed. He is such a nice person. Is he also Guatemalan or is he like Latino or? He is uh, from Nicaragua. Okay. So he understands the culture. You don't have to explain a lot of things to him. Oh my God, exactly. He was born here, okay. but has lived in Nicaragua for about two years and went every summer. So he understands. Yeah. Okay. So that's mm-hmm. awesome. So so you were staying with your mom and your sisters and your then boyfriend, now husband. And so he's seen the worst of everything. He's seen what you've been through. And he knows what it is. Oh, God. Oh, he's seen it all. He has been in rooms where I've been with my dad. And it uh, it was at the point where I was finding my voice. Because I've never talked back to my dad before. So he has seen it all for sure. Yeah, I mean. Poor guy. <laughs> but you have to give him kudos because he stood by you in spite of everything. Right? I mean you know that he was the person for you because he's seen the the good and the bad and he still stuck through that. Right. Oh yes, absolutely. He passed the test. (laughs) (laughs) There you go. (laughs) That's awesome. So now you're married and you started your own business. So how did, how did all that start? How did that go about, you know, you go about starting your own, your own business. So my dad had his own business and I always knew I wanted my own business. 
but I didn't know what. And in 2020, I think a lot of people can um, relate. Being in quarantine, a lot of thoughts go through our head. It was also the time when I started therapy and for the first time, and I was going to therapy and my therapist said, Orlinda, have you, we were having a conversation and we came down to, do you dance? And I said, no, I don't, but I always wanted to. And she said, how come you don't dance? And I said, because I was always told not to dance, to show my body and to put like myself out there. So I was always kind of like kept in a little box. Don't go out there. Don't put yourself out, you know, out don't, there. Yeah. Don't, don't, don't get grab any attention. You don't need any attention. Attention. Exactly. And so then I decided let me take a dance class. So I took a dance class via Zoom and it was bachata with my husband. And when I tell you that everything I do now, it's because that dance class taught me that I could dance, I could move. I'm like, who am I? I can dance bachata? <laughs> what is this? It's so silly. But it was at that point when I knew I was believing still at 29 years old, the words that were told to me as a young age. Mm -hmm. And I said, enough is enough. Enough of being scared, enough of being laughed at, even in my head. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there's some people that, you know, may laugh, but, you know, and I said, oh my God, if I could do this, it's like I went to the moon or something. Mm -hmm. <laughs> if I could do this, I could do anything. Things. Yeah. So in, in the beginning of 2020, I had been following Erica Cruz. Through Erica, from her social media, I found Kat. And I had been seeing her content and it was like she was speaking to me. I didn't know exactly what, but she was speaking to me. And for nine months, I just kept on going to Instagram and seeing her content. And December came around the same time of Bachata and I had this realization and I booked a call with her. In my first clarity call, we got down to the bottom of, okay, I can help people. I can be a financial coach, can be a budget coach because I can help people. I have, I have helped my mom go through a whole transformation. I saved 40,000 with my husband to pay for my wedding in Costa Rica out of pocket. We didn't get into any more debt. And I was in the process of almost paying off my credit cards. So I knew that I had a skill and I had the passion. I'm like, if I could help my mom, if I helped myself get out of this situation, there's other people that need help and I can help them. Mm -hmm. And that's how the idea of my business started. That's awesome. That is so cool. Yeah. Oh my gosh. And that was a year ago. Can you believe it? 
it's been yeah a year 10 months oh my goodness congratulations Thank that's you. awesome so what was the hardest and what was the easiest part of starting our own business i think the hardest part was having that realization because there was so much to unpack there it was a lot of emotions a lot of trauma in order for me to believe in myself and that i can do it i think the easiest is showing up i think that has been the easiest because i have in the past and still address my emotions with my therapist and my business coach that gets me out of my head but showing up on social media it's like I'm a whole new person I have so much passion with for what I'm doing in helping people and I get a lot of joy I had no idea I was this creative you know sometimes I plan something but what actually happens on camera is completely different <laughs> it's like what it turns out okay it's perfectly yeah. fine <laughs> yes exactly oh that is awesome so looking back knowing what you know now what are some of the key financial lessons you've learned oh man <laughs> they were hard ones. We learned the hard way, but it is a must. And I tell my clients this all the time. We need an emergency fund. Mm -hmm. And it's so important, not only for emergencies, but also for to leave any toxic situation, whether that's a family member, a living situation that you're going through, a job. You don't have to go through it. But if you have that emergency fund, you're so quick to leave. And that's very important. Um, leaving toxic situations the first time that it happens is so key. Don't give people second chances. It's very likely that it will happen again, whether that's at home or that is in the workplace. It will happen a second time because they see, oh, well, she let it go the first time. It can happen again. Mm -hmm. And it's never too late to start. It's never too late. Uh, I always say, you, you can start where you are. My mom started, I don't know, how old was she? Like 45 at the time. Even though she says she's old, I'm like, mom, no, you're not. Uh, but it's never, never too late. And the past is the past. The only thing we can change is the now. Mm -hmm. And let's move forward. That's awesome. So you should be so proud of all the things that you've achieved, not only for yourself, but even helping like your mom and your sisters, just recognizing, you know, that the changes that they can make. And I'm sure for your sisters, you must be such a big role model for them because you're like, oh my God, my, my, my sister did, you know? So Thank for you. those, no, go ahead. Thank you. Oh. You're welcome. <laughs> so you should be, um, so what would you want to tell others you want to follow their dreams? Something that has been very important to me, and I never had one, is community. Mm -hmm. 
community is so powerful and it lifts you up in ways you didn't know possible. And I've never had a community where I belong. And now I do. And they have lifted me up so much. So get yourself a community that understands you and that is doing the things that you want to do. Ask for help. We cannot do it alone. As much as we may say, I can do this by myself. (laughs) I've been there, but we can't. And if that means hiring a coach to guide you through a process, whatever journey you're on, then do it. Then do it. Uh, And do not give up on that dream. If you don't see someone that looks like you, there may be someone out there. Keep looking. But if not, then you may be the first one. And then there are so many people that are going to be looking up to you. So. Those are so good and so true. I know I feel the same way sometimes. It's like, I don't see anybody looking like me talking about the things that I'm talking about, you know? Yeah. So I'm always on the lookout and like, hey. So I love hanging out with all the people that I'm meeting and, you know, all the other coaches because I know how we're all like, uh, you know, like, like, remember, like I told you, it's like, I feel like you guys are my imaginary friends that just came to life. <laughs> I'm like, we're not imaginary. We're here. <laughs> you're, you're real. Like, did I just imagine you guys? No, but you're right. Community is so important. And asking for help is not a sign of weakness. It's not. And our culture says it is. It's It's hard to ask for help. But, oh, man, you're going to blow up. (laughs) True, 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 true. So now you have a blog and you have a coaching program and you are a budget coach. So people wanted to get a hold of you and they wanted to uh, talk to you and know more about your program. Where can they get a hold of you? Yes, you can find me on Instagram is where I hang out the most at Pero I Can Do It Too. That's Pero, P-E-R-O, I Can Do It Too, or on TikTok at Pero I Can Do It Too as well. Okay, and what's your blog? I do not have a blog, but maybe 2022. All right. That's awesome. So, um, no, this is great. And thank you so much for coming on the show. And I love your story. And you are so, so inspiring. Because especially for a lot of other young women out there, um, you know, for who are going through a hard time, whether it's domestic violence or whether they don't, like you said, undocumented and they're not sure how to go about it. If you are determined to go to college and get an education and figure out a way to survive, you will. You will. We always figure it out. That's right. One way or another. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Orland. I really do appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me. And I'll see you all on Instagram or TikTok. That's right. Thank you for listening and don't forget to subscribe. And if you love the show, please leave a review. Just remember, 
you could be one story away from being inspired.